0: I have bit off, uh, I won't say more than I can chew uh, because it has been a great blessing uh, just to dig into some of the things about spiritual gifts. And so the more I dig into it, the more I get just more hungry uh, for it. It's opened up some avenues and some opportunities. Uh, I was not aware of uh, I'm going to try to make it next year, but there's a meeting that goes on in Houston the first week of February every year. It's hosted by uh, some men that are—I can't say they're friends; they're more acquaintances. I don't know them as well as I intend on getting to know them, but they have a conference and it's called Deeper, and it's a kind of a kind of a tight. Circle, they're keeping it right now, and of course, with this going out, I guess maybe I'm perhaps saying more than I should, but anyways, it's just a part for hunger, for revival, and spiritual awakening. And uh, so, I intend on going next year because it's it's designed uh, similar to some of the uh, things that took place in the 90s, early to 80s, 90s, early 2000s. You may have heard Brother Patterson. Uh, mention a conference It was back in the 70's it was called the Deeper Life Conference and uh, it was held in out in uh, Jackson, Mississippi and uh, the pastor, Brother Tommy Craft uh, was the one that was uh, sort of I guess in over that uh, but Brother Pugh, Brother Mangan G.A. Mangan, not Brother Anthony <clears throat> but uh, some of our other elders would go in and they would just preach, and it was just about just that passion and hunger for God. And uh, there, there's something to be said uh, whenever you are hungry for the Lord. And uh, I want that atmosphere to be here in our church, and I thank God uh, for the last several weeks that we have uh, experienced what we've experienced here. There's a cost that's involved, and that's fasting and praying. And we just gotta stay at it because of the Lord. And I know that you know people. Well, we're not having any preaching. Trust me, it'll get back, and and uh, you'll we'll get to preaching again. And then you'll be tired of preaching, and and then you'll think, man, we just have a runaway. It would be just be good, and, and then we have two or three runaways. and Oh man, I want to hear some preaching, but we'll we're gonna. Uh, I want the Lord to constantly be working and visiting us. Uh, as, a, as a local church. And uh, and there's something that the Lord is doing uh, right here in our church. Uh, I'm going to kick off with uh, talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And again, I did not print out these notes for you because I was it was all, just a lot of Scripture, which was good. Uh, but if you have those notes on your iPad or on your phone or whatever, I'm going to start on page 7 and talk about the fruit of the Spirit Uh, just a little bit. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with that, but I am going to talk about the way that the fruit of the Spirit moves in conjunction with the gifts of the Spirit. If you're really going to be authentic with the gifts of the Spirit, then the fruit of the Spirit needs to be something that you pursue. Now, where uh, is the fruit of the Spirit? It's actually in Galatians chapter 5. And um, I I hope that you uh, read your Bible enough That you can think of, okay, where's, and I've mentioned this before Where's the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, 7 Through the Spirit, Galatians 5 But also the works of the flesh Are are in Galatians chapter 5 as well The outpouring of the Spirit, Acts chapter 2 uh, Various things that is like that The Ten Commandments, Exodus 20 uh, the Passover, somebody preached on that here recently. Oh, that was at the uh, men's conference. Uh, Exodus 12, uh, things like that. To just kind of, I want you familiar with your Bible, because here's what happens when you're reading your Bible. And I got into a little flurry of texting this morning, and um, and and it's good because sometimes when you're reading your Bible, you're not really aware of what the word is doing to you. Isaiah 55 tells us that the Word will not return void, that where the Scripture is at, that it's going to come back to you. So there's times where that you have spiritual discernment, you have things that the Spirit helps you to grasp and understand. You're like, where did I get this from? Interaction with the Scriptures. And so reading your Bible, and I would just say studying your Bible, and I'm going to talk about some homework here in a little bit and, um, and that's when you really when you start doing homework when you pull out a pen or you start typing on a word doc or something like that that you're interacting with scripture in that way now it changes from you just reading your Bible or if you've got a wide margin Bible whenever you start highlighting underlining circling things then what happens is the word becomes even more interactive to you and it just kind of leaps off. But let's look at Galatians 5, and I want to start in verse 22. Paul uh, notes this. This is what is called the fruit of the Spirit. <clears throat> it means this is the outgrowth of the Spirit. And uh, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such there is no law Now there are conditions on the on the fruit and sometimes I want to say fruits of the spirit y'all ever want to do that you want to get say it's the fruits of the spirit but it's the fruit of the spirit the condition on it what is the condition is verse 24. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Now turn back a page or so and look at Galatians chapter 2. Here's another part that connects us up with the fruit of the Spirit. Look at verse 20 of Galatians chapter 2. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, there's a strong connection that takes place with the matter of, of the gifts of the Spirit working with the fruit of the Spirit. Why is that? It's because God is more concerned about my character than He is about my giftings. I don't want to stress that. God is more concerned about character than He is about giftings. Giftings can take you places that if you do not have the character to keep you there, it will indeed, Brother Test, it will destroy you. And, and if you pursue giftings at the expense of the character or the fruit of the Spirit, then what happens is, is it hollows out our soul. And so Paul was saying the connection is crucified with, with Christ, the crucifixion of the, of the flesh, the self-denial that takes place there, Uh, with that particular thing. And so our commitment to the word, uh, to prayer, I would say worship, both private and public, fasting, giving, and serving, they have got to be active ingredients in your walk with the Lord. Do they come easy? No, they don't. But if there is a concerted effort on your part to strive and to reach toward those things, then the Lord will be able to help you in that way. Now, I don't know, I'm not on Facebook, but I understand, I think there was a playlist of songs that were put up for Sunday. Uh, Sister Regina is still on the injured reserve list. And so uh, Sunday, I think they're they're... But they've got some playlist, I think, that's on Facebook, or maybe not. I don't know. But I, I it's on Facebook. Yeah. Okay. Um, here, here's what I here's what I did. Whenever I got those, I I'm uh, Monday morning was up early and uh, got those songs and started listening to those, so that Sunday when I get here, I'm gonna be ready. And, uh, and here's, what's ha- here's what happened, and I'll tell you when I was running, and it was real early, and I was listening to it, and I got stuck on one of those songs. I think it was no other name, uh, Freddie Rodriguez. And I just put it on loop, and it looped and looped and looped and looped and played and played and played all day long. But what did it do? It moved me into a place of worship and openness to the Lord. And I, I, I know that, that most of us have earbuds and that now when you work, there, there are places where you work, you can have the earbuds in and nobody is, is going to say anything to you. I believe you can turn your mind into, into a private place of worship. So that's what I'm talking about. What, uh, when, you, when you listen to those things, that, that in that private time, uh, that those that pursue God will find out that in their pursuit, you're going to gather strength, resolve, passion, and there will be maturity that begins to develop in your heart. Why is it? Because you're pursuing after and you're seeking those things. And whenever you begin to pursue and to go after those things, it's just like whenever you start a new semester at, at it's more so probably college than it is in high school but they always give you something called a syllabus and whenever they pass that syllabus out to you it tells you the tests are going to be uh, three weeks from now you'll have another one in six weeks you have another one in eight weeks and you'll have this paper to write you've got these pages that you're going to need to go through for the life of me sometimes I wonder why we don't do that with this And one of the things of the fruit of the Spirit is look at what this, the last one in verse 23, and Paul talks about temperance. What is temperance? Temperance is self-control. And so if there is a sense of self-control, then what happens? It's going to affect my prayer time. It's going to affect how long that I spend in scripture and I'll tell you this I'll tell you when you know that your 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 time with the word and time with prayer is really starting to take off is when you forget the clock and then all of a sudden you're like man I've been I've been with this now for you know hour and a half 2 hours and we got we have more time than we think we have and uh, that's especially true at night when you're you can get you can get into some rabbit holes uh, with social media, and we do have more time uh, sometimes than we think. But, but in all of that, your, your soul is gathering strength and resolve and passion and maturity. And so the fruit of the Spirit uh, really is an indicator uh, and, and the evidence of the outworking of the Holy Spirit. Y'all okay? Y'all, I know the old-fashioned folks sometimes want me to say Holy Ghost, uh, but I'm going to interchange some of the Holy, I want the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. I want that in my life. And so whenever the Spirit starts working, there's an outworking. And the very use of Paul using the word in 1 Corinthians 12, He comes along and and he he tells us that this is a gift, that that's something to be understood, that we're gaining something we did not deserve and sometimes we did not ask for. And Paul is saying, okay, this gift is here. And and so it's going to be given to you. And so now I want to get to part three on page eight. And that's this, earnestly pursue and desire the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, for, for those people, the critics that would say that the gifts of the Spirit are no longer in operation and it was only for that first uh, century church. Well, if that's the case, then why would, would Paul come along and, and write this in his word and say to us, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and we're just going to walk through some of these scriptures here. But look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and, and let's, let's give consideration to, to these things. Here is what Paul tells us. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and look in verse 31. The Bible uh, says it like this, but covet earnestly the best gifts... And yet I show unto you a more excellent way. What what is he telling us? Covet. ESV says earnestly desire. The In New International Version eighty four. You know there's been several updates of the new of the NIV, and uh, I think the NIV eighty four is probably the best of that translation. Eagerly desire the greater gifts a new living translation so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts the Amplified uh, says but earnestly desire and zealously cultivate the greatest and best gifts and graces the higher gifts and the choicest graces Uh, the Christian standard Bible says but desire the greater gifts now for people that are critical of the gifts of the Spirit, I hope that's not us, but it's outside these four walls, they say, well, the gifts are not for us in our day. Well, if that reasoning is there and they say that the gifts stopped operating or we should not follow the commands and direct as a scripture, then uh, let's, let's put that same thought on Matthew chapter 5. You remember Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. If we're going to put that same law on what Paul's epistle says, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31 that says we're not supposed to pursue those things, then we have to invariably take the same rule and put it on the Sermon on the Mount. And yet when you look here, Paul, the Lord is saying that those that are poor in spirit, that are humble, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn. Do, Do you ever mourn about the condition of this world? You ever mourn in intercession about those that are lost? Look at the promise that he says there. He, he said, you're going to be comforted. Paul said that there's times where we pray and there are these, these groanings that are inside That, and I believe that probably all of us have been there. That There's just this groaning that you don't even know what you're praying for or about. But it's in those times that the Spirit comes along. Romans 8, and and yet the promise for us is that we're going to be comforted. The meek, they're going to inherit the earth. I love verse 6. uh, If I hunger and thirst after righteousness, the Lord promises I will be filled. And so if the case is this is that well, we say well, we're not going to pursue the things that the Lord had to say because we're not going to pursue what Paul had to say. I think there's some faulty reasoning with that. And so whenever we find these instructions in in the Pauline epistles and in uh, the general epistles where that they're saying to pursue after these particular things, we say, oh, no, those, those things are not for you today. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Look at verse 1. Here's what Paul writes. He says, Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. We will deal with that part about the prophesy whenever I get to that. But look, the ESV says, Pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. First, uh, the New Living Translation, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. The NIV 84 says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Amplified version says eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest, and earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual endowments or gifts, especially that you may prophesy, which is to interpret the divine will and purpose in inspired preaching or teaching And uh, we'll get to some of that again when we get to that particular gift. Uh, The Christian Standard Bible says it like this, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts and above all that you may prophesy. You see what he's saying there? He's saying pursue it. Go after it. So how do you pray sometimes? I I think it's important Uh, to create an atmosphere for prayer. Uh, It's difficult to pray after you've been riding with Festus and Marshall Dillon and they're chasing down bank robbers and then shot them up and then say, okay, we're going to watch them and then we're going to go pray. Hard to do that. Okay? But if you create music and if there's music, praise and worship, that begins to begins to play. You, what do you do? You're you're kind of you're getting the noise from the world out, and and you're starting to get into a place. And I particularly believe that's important uh, at times where that you are in a place of prayer. And and whether you silence your phone or put it on airplane mode, it's difficult to pray when you've got your smartphone right there next to you and it's constantly dinging or buzzing or flipping and flopping and whatever. It's like, you know, there's, I don't know, y'all ever feel like this? You're riding down the road and you just like, you have this, just this deep inward desire that you want to just throw it out the window. Am I the only one like that? I think we probably all at times or get like that, you're like, I wish I could just take this thing and throw it out the window because we're, we're tethered to it. It's almost like that we're, And so it's difficult to pray whenever you have that particular, but when you you say, okay, I'm going to earnestly pursue this. How am I going to do this? Well, I'm going to create an atmosphere for me to be able to pray. Charity Gale and some of her music. I'm going to tell you what, you start listening to that and it can move you into a place of prayer. Some of the early heel song stuff, I'm dating myself now. But back whenever Darlene Check was kind of the one that was in charge of that shout to the Lord uh, all those sorts of things but, but but what I'm doing is I'm talking about creating something for you to be able to pursue and to get into a place of prayer so that your mind is, is not distracted that, that's what Paul is saying okay we're going to eagerly pursue and seek to acquire what am I doing I'm creating these avenues that, that I can that I can move into. Let's look at verse 12, 1 Corinthians fourteen and verse twelve. Here's what he writes. He says, Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. Okay, so the ESV says it like this So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations. Of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. New Living Translation says, um, and since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. The NIV, since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. The Amplified, since you are so eager and ambitious, to possess spiritual endowments and manifestations of the Holy Spirit, concentrate on striving to excel and to abound in them in ways that will build up the church. Verse 12, Christian Standard Bible, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to excel in building up the church. Now, you've heard that statement before, no pain, no gain. That's generally whenever you're talking about exercise. There's gonna be some soreness. There's gonna be some shortness of breath. There's gonna be something that your body says, I don't like this. I don't like this exercise program. I'd rather I'd rather be eating little Debbie, nutty buddies yeah. than than eating bananas and and grapes and almonds and Okay. That's what I'd rather be doing. You, I'm going to just tell you, you can't beat late at night. Everybody's already shut down, and you're in there at the kitchen, and you got a big two-liter cold thing of Coke, and you've got a supply of Little Debbie's and and a kettle jalapeno chips. Y'all like that? Man, you're just, you're just in there, and you're reading, and you're reading, and it's just like, man, you're into it. I mean, but that's not good for me. It's just not. It's not good for me. It, 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 it's detrimental. And so what happens is this, is that there's times where that if there's no pain, there's no gain. And so whenever we say, well, we want to do things that's going to strengthen the whole church, sometimes the church is flabby spiritually and it's out of shape and we rather have inspirational little talks that preachers give but, but what does Paul say he's saying listen if you want to have a gift that's going to strengthen the church it's going to be better done with meat than it is with milk Desire ye the sincere milk of the Word. That's what the Bible says. But it also says there's got to be a time in our life when we're more concerned with the meat of the Word. Now, Asher can tell you, he, I don't, he, they took him to Noah's Ark up in Kentucky. Uh, I hadn't been up there. I need to go. But they took him up there, I guess, two years ago. And I'm going to tell you what, it put that little fella in a direction, and now it's like boats and storms. And it was like last night he was at the sink, and uh, Grandma, I, I want to make an ark, and I, I want to make a flood. And so they turned the sink on wide open and got the Legos, and they're making a flood, Okay. And I'm thankful that he's interested in that, but you know what? Knowing the ark don't don't do too much for me. That don't sound good, does it? <laughs> you, you gather up, what what's doing good for me is what we're doing right now. And so, what is that? It's the part where that that I'm the age that I am, and Asher is the age that he is, and yet you can't stay in that place, of Of spiritual immaturity for the rest of your life, it's not healthy. And so, our growth sometimes through the gifts of the Spirit, it builds us up so that whenever we walk into a place, there's spiritual authority, there's spiritual strength, then people feel that. They gravitate toward you and they're like, Would you pray for me? Would you, would you, and this is a Sometimes, do you have a word for me? I'm not sure I like that, but anyways, sometimes you want to tell people, get your own word, you know? Get get your own, here's your word, right? Get your own word, okay? And you want to say, you're lazy, okay? You want everybody else to give you a word so that if y'all haven't watched Brother Morgan's deal Friday morning at Landmark, I'm just going to tell you you need to watch it again, or you need to watch it called my journey into the prophetic I've listened to that thing probably five or six times and I've had friends of mine that are pastors listen to it and we talk and discuss it and think about it and that's one of the things that brother Morgan brings out in there he said sometimes people come up to him and they won't be you got a word for me brother Morgan and he'll, he says, no, no, I don't have a word for you. And he, a fellow got upset with him three nights in a row at a conference. And finally, he just told the guy last night, he said, look, friend. He said, what you're wanting to do is, he said, you're wanting me to give you a word so you can run off out of here and say, hey, Brother Morgan gave me this word and such and so. He said, I'm just telling you now, get your own word. And so the part is is that sometimes you feel the authority of these people, but you have to dig in and get this for yourself through prayer and through, again, the the study uh, of the word of the Lord. Uh, Look down to verse 39, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 39. Here is what uh, Paul says, and this is... uh, (laughs) a. This is a trigger point that we use or sometimes whenever you're confronted with people who say, well, the gifts of the Spirit are not in operation, and it all stopped after the last of apost- When John died, it was over with. And I'm going to, in some future lessons, I'm going to get into the early church fathers, and we know that even after the early church fathers, sometimes even, and I'm, I'm not necessarily a big proponent of, of the early church fathers, I feel like it can help as far as commentary goes along sometimes, but you can see even 3rd, 4th, and even 5th and 6th century where that the gifts of the Spirit were still in operation. They were still seeing miracles. They were still experiencing healings. And so that flies in the face of those that would say, well, it's all ceased. Let me throw a term at you. They're called cessationists. A cessationist feels like that all the gifts stopped at the, with the death of the Apostle John. But this is the grenade that you throw out. You just drop it out there and say, okay, fellas, what are you going to do with this verse? Verse 39, Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak in tongues. Now, was that just for the church at Corinth? Or was that for the Pentecostals of Dothan on February the fifteenth, two thousand twenty-three? It was for us, February fifteenth, two thousand twenty-three. Just like not suing your brother, uh, just like church discipline in First Corinthians five, uh, just like preaching under the power of the cross, First Corinthians chapter two, verses one through four. Say, oh, well, we want to pick and choose. And sometimes you can be like that when you go to a buffet. Yeah, I want the fried chicken. No, I don't like those rutabaggers. Yeah, I want the turnips and I want the cornbread. But I want to stay away from that goulash. And you pick and choose. Whereas when I was growing up, it's like, you're going to eat everything on your plate. And you can get pretty, you can get pretty inventive when that takes place. I remember I used, I didn't like peas and butter beans. I'd take them, knock them off the edge of the plate, and kind of put them up under the edge. And then when my mother would pick the plate up, there's a ring of peas and butter beans around that I'd stuffed up under because I couldn't stand that stuff. I want the cake and I want the sweet stuff and all that. But uh, so here's the part. Okay, what are you going to do with this hand grenade? Paul says, covet. To prophesy, forbid not to speak with tongues. So my brothers, ESV, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. New Living Translation. So my dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues. NIV 84, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Amplified. So to conclude, my brethren, earnestly desire and set your hearts on prophesying, on being inspired to preach and teach, and to interpret God's will and purpose, and do not forbid or hinder speaking in unknown tongues. Christian Standard Bible, therefore, my brothers, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in other languages. And so there you have it. That's the earnest desire we have to pursue and we have to seek after, and 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 those uh, particular things. Matthew five six. I've already read. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Turn to Luke chapter ten and verse forty two. I want you to see this in your Bible. Uh, if you don't have this verse underlined, um. I want you to think about underlining it. Luke chapter 10 and verse 42. This is one of the most provocative. I shouldn't say that because all scriptures are, they all encourage and provoke me. But here's what, let's look at verse 41. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, Martha. You, you are so careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Y'all remember what the good part was? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And, and Martha was in there scurrying around trying to get it fixed, trying to get it taken care of. And 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 the more Martha saw her, the madder she got. And she's like, I'll tell you, my sister, I'll, tell, I'll wring her neck. I'm in here slaving in this kitchen, and this fire and in this, and this stove has got me hot, and I'm worked up, and she's in there. She's just dallying around, listening to Jesus, and on and on. And let's let's look at verse 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care? that my sister had left me to serve alone. Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said, Martha, Martha, you're careful. You're troubled about so many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. And I wrote out in the side of my Bible by verse 40, I underlined Martha was cumbered, and then I underlined, Dost thou not care? And I, I wrote out in the margin, Cumbered and caring. And how many people do you come in contact with on a regular basis that they are so cumbered about and so caring about things at the end of the day that don't matter? I think this is a thing perhaps with age, and it's this, is that now it's like when you start, the the longer your life goes on, the more you realize it seems like it's getting faster and faster and faster. And you're like, oh my goodness, I wasted time when I was in my 20s, and I wasted time. Was I was in my 30s. And it was in my 40s that I started kind of getting the grip on it. And then I got to my 50s and I started looking back and thinking, man, if I could just bargain with God to try to catch back up with that time. And now my mind is forgetful. I don't retrieve things as quickly and as rapidly as I did. What What happened? Well, you're cumbered in your your caring. And and you get caught up with that. And uh that's the challenge of of living your life. Uh Proverbs chapter fifteen and nine, the way of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord, but he that loveth him that followeth after righteousness. Proverbs twelve or 21 and 21, He that followeth after righteousness and mercy, he findeth life, righteousness, and honor. And so here it is that we can see from just these verses that I think it would be safe to say that the Lord desires for us to pursue uh, the gifts just like we pursue peace and holiness. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14. Uh, now let's talk about this church here in in Corinth uh, the church in Corinth was not a mature church like Ephesus and Philippi was there, there was so much chaos that was going on in that church there in Corinth and in fact if you want to sum it up it was worldly, it was carnal it was fleshly they lacked in character but the wild thing about it was was they had the gifts of the spirit that were in operation in those churches oh man that's a powerful church they always got tons of interpretation going on they always got a word of wisdom word of knowledge they always got prophecy going on gifts of healing gifts of faith working of miracles they always got that stuff going on in that church be careful be careful when you look at places like that because sometimes the spiritual maturity level because you get to digging around and you got folks that's fighting with each other, you got carnal divisions that are going on and you got sexual immorality that's going on, First Corinthians 5 you got people suing each other you got husbands and wives that are in great conflict with each other but yet you got all this flash and excitement that's going on. And so you would think uh, that Paul would say um, the answer for worldliness and carnality is is not to suppress spiritual zeal or biblical laws. You you would think, he would say, y'all quit focusing in on the spiritual gifts, but he doesn't do that because he knows this. He knows that if he tells them to pursue the Spirit, then that Spirit can uniquely begin to work in people's lives. And I learned this from Brother Patterson, and I learned this from from Brother Enzi and Brother Griffin and Brother Keating. And... uh, They said that sometimes that the best time to address issues in a church is after you've had a blowout Sunday night service. After you've had tons of interpretation. After people's been running the aisles. And you know what we do sometimes on Sunday nights. I mean, it used to be Sunday night live. It really, sadly now, there's too many places that have cut out their Sunday nights. But but anyway, that's another, another subject. But I can remember them saying that sometimes the best time to deal with challenges and issues in a church is after the Spirit has moved then those pastors say, okay, come on church. Let's get this disunity. Let's get this straightened out. Let's get this gossip. Let's get this carnality. Let's get this worldliness stopped. Where did they get that principle? from what Paul was saying. Earnestly desire and pursue the spiritual gifts because after there's been a move of the Spirit most of the time, you're you're kind of softened up a little bit. You're more prone to let a pastor talk and speak things into our spirits after the Lord has just touched us and moved in our lives in unique ways in powerful ways and so I'm just telling you I'm going to encourage every one of us here uh, in our local congregation we need to seek after these spiritual gifts because I have a very firm belief uh, that they can be a great benefit as long as we're willing to let them come under the directives of scripture and people say oh it's going to be wildfire it's going to be the latter rain it's going to be no don't worry about it getting to be the latter latter rain you say how do you know because there's enough wet blankets around Say, all oh, this revival's gonna turn into wildfire. Nah, don't don't it'd be nice if it did. But just use you, you got enough wet, you got a few wet blankets around, some old green wood laying around. They'll 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 do their work and it'll kinda dampen down a little bit. <laughs> I shouldn't say all that, but anyways, because here Let me just impress this on you. What we believe actively controls and moves the direction of our spiritual lives. If we believe in certain ways, it's going to affect our zeal for the Lord, our pursuit, our interaction with the Word, our involvement in public and private worship, and how seriously we take prayer. Now, let me tell you about prayer. Sometimes, Prayer can be so influenced by praying through lists and names of people. And you've heard people pray enough. You hear Brother Williams. You hear him call off this name, that name, the other name, etc., and so on while he's praying. And others here do the same thing. Have you ever noticed as as these people are praying through these lists of names that they can kick in and about the time they hit the Jones family, it's like something engages in the spirit, and there's a burden there. What what happened? The spirit of the Lord moved into that prayer time, and so sometimes you think, "Man, my prayer is so dry." I'm just praying through the, praying through the pews and praying through people's names and and so on and so forth. Listen to me, church. Don't discount that. And I'm going to use John Paul and Brittany because they told me this here a few weeks ago. We have a Bible study on Tuesday nights and we have a time. And sometimes I look up and say, hey, y'all, we've been here for two hours. Don't y'all need to go home? Oh, no, we just haven't. I was like, Are y'all about to wear me down? No, I don't. <laughs> okay, but but really, I mean, and and you get in there and you start going through Scripture and, and you start turning pages and this and that and you go from this and et cetera. But this is what John Paul said to me here a few weeks ago, he said, I, I thank God y'all didn't quit praying for me and for Brittany and for Jacelyn. Okay, how many times did Sister Regina come in here and raise her hands? Like, oh Lord, here we go again. John, Paul, and Brittany, and Landon, and, and now they're here. It's like, oh man, this works. And so now we're going to pray for Landon until the Lord just makes him so miserable that he shows up. You, you, you see what I'm saying I'm not saying that sarcastically I'm just telling you church that what the enemy wants you to do is to quit praying and to give up on things that you may have been praying for years I feel the Holy Ghost right now Spirit of the Lord is here in this sanctuary. Keep praying, and you think, I'm just praying through a list. I prayed for the Jones, and I prayed for the Smiths, and I prayed for such and so, and I prayed for God to put this in my life and in my spirit. I prayed for this so many times, and all of a sudden, bang, the door starts cracking open, and you start realizing, hey, the the Lord is about to bring this wall down. The Lord is about to open these things up to me. That's why you can't afford to quit praying. It's important that you pray. Consider what the Lord told his early followers, Luke twenty-four forty-nine. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Acts 1 and 5, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Acts 1 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now look at Luke 24 49. Here's what he tells them. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem till ye be endued with power from on high. Y'all jog my memory. Where did the Lord ascend from? Anybody remember? Was it Jerusalem? Ascend. Where was where did the ascension take place? Anybody remember? Somebody Google it real quick. I want you to think. Somebody Googling? Thank God, y'all don't text while I preach. That makes me feel so good. <laughs> Enjoy it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gonna let y'all talk me through this, brother Aberson. Where, where did Jesus ascend from? And so, where is that at? It's good. Y'all are talking. Y'all are buzzing. Okay. Here's here's the point that I'm making. There was there was some distance between the place where the Lord ascended. To Jerusalem okay so what he tells them is this is I want you to go back to Jerusalem it was a place of pain it was a place of passion you think Peter wants to go back to Jerusalem where he betrayed the Lord you think they want to go back to the place where that they just had witnessed the, resur- or the crucifixion? But here's what the Lord said. He said, what you do is you go back to the place of your pain and your passion and as you wait and tarry there, there's power that's going to come on you from on high. And there's times in every one of our lives whenever we're pursuing things spiritually that the Lord has to take us to painful places and revisit places of failure and revisit places of loss, revisit places of disappointment. And he says, you know what? I want you to stay there. So how long did they stay there? Until? How many... How many days was that? Ten days. Okay. It was. You stayed there. They they tarried for ten days. Now think about that. Would you come in here on Sunday, and if it hadn't happened by Monday night or Tuesday night, you're like, oh man, I'm I'm leaving. I'm bailing. Sorry. Okay. So it's like sometimes everybody's like, hey, it's getting close to twelve o'clock. Wednesday, Sunday nights, everybody gets to, gets nervous about 7:45, 7:50. It's about like eight o'clock. We need to get this thing turned down and and get out of here. And, and the Lord sent His disciples there, and they waited from Sunday to the next Sunday to Wednesday, ten days. Now here's what happened. How many saw the resurrection? Scripture talks about there was the witness. How many? 500, okay? He tells that 500, hey, the comforter's coming, but by the time that he gets to the day of Pentecost, 380 have already bailed out and left. And so he gets down to the 120. Make sure that you're in that 120. 120. from Bethany. Anybody remember who lived in Bethany? Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. That's where they were from. Jesus stopped in there frequently. He would stop in at Bethany. His ascension, He tells them you've got to go back to the place where that it was a place of, of pain. Um, so, Here, here is something else, and I'm almost done. I'm, I'm getting toward. Um, is that there was some obedience? There's always obedience and effort that's going to be expended, if you're going to have spiritual things. Keep, keep, keep that in mind. Always, there's always going to be effort, and there's always going to be obedience that is in mind. It's highly doubtful that the Lord would have experienced the baptism of the Spirit had they not obeyed the command of the Lord. And so therefore, we've got to give great consideration to this matter of prayer in relation to the gifts of the Spirit. Mark chapter 9 and verse 28, And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. And if we think that that young man would have just been delivered spontaneously, he could have been delivered spontaneously. Okay, but the Lord brought about that part. He said, you know what? I'm just gonna insist on you that there are some areas of spiritual power that can only come to us if we put some kind of effort toward us. Now, here's where... I want to um impress some things and this is just some things that I just wrote down just kind of in my journal and just kind of mulling over and thinking about these things that you want the lord uh to work in and and do in uh your your life. We, we need to develop a heightened sensitivity to the Holy Ghost. And so fasting and prayer, exposure to the world, and separation from the world does so much toward our spiritual life. And um, so pursue it. Go after it. And fasting is not you trying to make a deal with God. I know sometimes we kind of put that in that deal. Now, Jesus did say this kind of goeth go not out but by prayer and by fasting. But fasting is not so I can make a deal with God. Fasting is a spiritual discipline. And and I, I would just say that during this time of fasting that we did in January and then around this prayer revival that we finished up last week, I'm just going to tell you, the Lord has just like pulled a blindfold off of my eyes. And, And others of you have witnessed to me that same thing that has taken place in your life. It wasn't that you were backslid. It was not that you were lukewarm. But what happened is as you gave yourself to this matter of fasting and prayer, what did it do? It's like all of a sudden, it's like the light got turned on in a dark room and you're able to see things that you would not normally uh, have, have gotten into. Now, I want to just kind of jump on this uh, real quick. Any time that the matter of spiritual gifts is brought up, the conversation generally in my circles of non-Pentecostals, the trigger point is always tongues. Always that's the first thing that it leaps to. It's like, bang, they're going to go to tongues. And, and it, well, do you have to speak in tongues? Do you don't speak in tongues, etc. Here is my response to that. Why would you not want to speak in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance? Why, why would you not want to do that? And, and I just, again, that's right, brother. I want everything the Lord's got for me. And I believe that the Lord has much for us in His Word. We ought to pursue that. But at the same time, now here's where people get hung up. Don't pursue tongues. And I mentioned this two weeks ago. Don't pursue tongues. Pursue the Lord. And as you pursue the Lord, the tongues begin to be an outflow but what happens is people are, like, "Oh, I got to speak in tongues." Stop that. Just begin to worship the Lord. Just begin to submit yourself to him and 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 just begin to, "Lord, I love you." I I thank you for what you've done I thank you that you preserved me To this particular place in my life I remember where that I was at In 1990 whatever And you brought me through that And and you brought me in this place And so on and so forth And what happens is As you get into that place of worship And prayer and thanksgiving and praise Next thing you know You're like oh my lord What has happened to me and I can remember people i would worked with. They they didn't know what they what they were. Say, <laughs> so, hey, hey, let me. Can I talk to you? I was like, yeah, we'll get through with procedures. We'll be through sometime this afternoon. I'll come down there to your department and we'll talk. And so what? And they always are nervous about it and embarrassed. So what they want to do is they want you to get you over in the corner, away from everybody else, and then they want to kind of whisper about it. It's like, oh, really? What happened to you? Was you got baptized? No, I didn't do that but they would just start saying, hey, Philip, I got in, and, and I just started praying, and, and all of a sudden, it's just like I just started crying, and, and, and it just felt this cleansing and this purifying him, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yes, I'm, yes, and, and what else happened? And, and I started praying, and, I, and my lips started stammering, and the next thing you know, I, I, I don't know what, I said, that's the Holy Ghost. That's the Spirit of the Lord. What you've done is you've engaged the Spirit of the Lord. And what was amazing was they did it <laughs> without the music being 100 decibels and people yelling in their ear and shaking them. and Yeah, that's it. Turn loose. Let go. Hang on. Yield. Go. Stop. You know, so it's like sometimes people get the Holy Ghost in spite of what we do to them. And here they were, they're in, a play, they're in their house, in their living room, in their bedroom, and they just start praying. And the Holy Ghost falls on them. How many times have you been in your car and you start, you're driving down the road and it's like, bang, the Spirit of the Lord fills up that vehicle and you just start expressing praise and worship to the Lord and the tongues take care, takes care of themselves. Why in the world wouldn't people want that? And again, I I don't want to say that sarcastically, but what happens is is they see stuff on television. And they see that ignorance of Benny Hinn taking his coat and throwing that out. I wish they'd stop that. laying his hands on people, and them flopping out and falling out. That's what they perceive as a spiritual experience. And I'm just going to tell you, that is a decoy that the enemy has used to get people to think, well, that's what I've got to do to get the Holy Ghost. And what it is, is again, is Second Corinthians 11 as the devil said don't think that I can't turn my ministers into angels of light and deception works in that and so whenever you start looking and again I just believe that a solid biblically founded Pentecostal that there's times where that you just begin to say you know what Um, I want us to pursue after those things because here's the scary part And I remember the first time I ever heard Brother Griffin say this, I about fell out of my chair. Brother Griffin said, I'm just telling you now, there will be people in hell will be populated with tongue talkers. What in the world is he talking about? Now, Again, now you're thinking, oh, I'm diminishing tongues. No, I'm making a point. Because here's the deal. Some people put a premium on their relationship with God that they can speak in tongues. And they can, do, they can be involved in sexual immorality. They can be involved in deception. They can be stealing. They can have a marriage that's in shambles. They can live lives of great hypocrisy, but they speak in tongues. And they are deceiving themselves. Because the mark of our spiritual life is not the ability to speak in tongues, but to manifest the fruit of the Spirit. And when I heard Brother Griffin say that, I was like, oh my goodness. But others have brought out how that Elder A.D. Urshan more or less prophesied that the Laodicean church would be populated with people that had the ability to speak in tongues but had no real relationship with the Lord. And some people would look at those assessments as almost as anathema, but I'm just telling you, I've lived long enough now that I can say, yeah, they could speak in tongues, but they're as lost as they can be there's no real fruit that's in their lives it's 8.30 my goodness I'm going to run through three points real, four points real quick um, so let's talk about the gifts of the spirit and these quick points number one not all Pentecostals have embraced the errors or excesses that you see demonstrated sometimes on Christian television. There are millions of healthy, doctrinally sound Pentecostals in the United States and worldwide, and Pentecostal churches are experiencing growth, although I will say that numbers are not always a true indicator of spiritual health. Keep that in mind. Do I want us to grow? Yes, I do but numbers are not always an indicator of spiritual health. Number two, we have to leave room for the present-day power of God. Number three, the Pentecostal church needs to place a fresh emphasis on the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, whatever you want to call it. The Lord put a lot of emphasis on the work of the Spirit. You especially see that in the book of Luke and also in Acts. The Bible opens up, Genesis 1 and 2, talking about the Spirit moving on the face of the deep. It closes with the moving of the Spirit in Revelation 22 and verse 17. And then, despite the fact that you have critics or sometimes who are critical of what we do, we still need to love them. Whether, whether they ever see it our way or not, we, we still need to love and pray for people that the Spirit of the Lord would, would move and minister and work in their lives. Well, I thank the Lord for this last little while. I hope you've gotten something out of it. And uh, before we go, I want to pray. Lord, I'm thankful for your Word. I'm thankful, Lord, for the reception, God, that I have felt, Lord, in this teaching here tonight. God, this congregation, Lord, has been engaging, and I believe, Lord, that there are things that you want to do with all of us and help us, God, to somehow to keep in mind, Lord, what Paul said, that we are to earnestly desire, Lord, earnestly pursue, and whatever it is, Lord, that you call us to, Lord, to pursue and to seek after. I'm asking you tonight, that God, that you would help us. Lord, it's not our goal that we want to be powerful just for the Lord's sake of that or to have authority. That's not the goal, Lord. The goal is that we would be disciples so that we would be witnesses, that you would be able to work through our lives and that, God, that there would be a constant flow, Lord, of your spirit, Through us, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Lord, bless you. Thank you for coming to church. And uh, it's only three minutes over time, so that's not too bad.